Good evening and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight, no professionals tonight, it's just good old proper football fans. So we're joined by Ricky Hyatt. Hilda Pryor, Will Brummel, and me. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Football Bloody Hell. I just quickly introduce you to everybody that's here, and contrary to what I just said on the introduction, we have got a professional footballer with us, because Mr Thorpe has joined us. Hello, Paul. Yeah, good evening. Yeah, just about man managed it before um, go abroad, so yeah. uh, welcome to all the listeners. Good evening to Rick. Good evening. And good evening to Hilda. Absolute smugness from Rick there. Yes, good evening, everybody. Yeah, Spotty Muldoon. Better known to his friends as Spotty Muldoon. And Will, as he's, he, <laughs> he had another week of it uh, after last week, so Will's with us as well. Hello, Will. Hello, everyone. Hello, Dave. I'm Will Brummel, but that's an AKA. So I'm led to believe. Nice to, nice to meet you. I, can, I, I do like your... Um, is that keyboard you've got in the background there? Are you going to be playing for us tonight? That is a MIDI controller. No sounds. There you go. Have you met Have you met Thorpey? Well, me. Yeah. Yeah, we met last week. Oh, I couldn't remember. All right. <laughs> okay. I didn't realise he had a sex change, though. I've got Samantha written on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my uh, pet name, like you know. So, uh, yeah, that's the boss. That's the boss of the house. Yeah. Right. <laughs> she rules in with a rod of iron, too. I can tell you, mate. Absolutely. Anyway, I'm going to hand over to our host for this evening. Hilda Pryor. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Well, as always, we're going to start with Yeovil Town, I think, because they finally managed to see out a lead. It was a 1-0 win over Solihull. And, Rick, you were there. Well, definitely mm -hmm. in the second half. We'll, we'll come on to that, maybe. But um, yeah. when you got your mic working... And you're able to contribute to the um, to the coverage on Three Valleys Radio this weekend. What did you make of it? Because as you said, and what you've seen so far this season, that win was coming, wasn't it? Absolutely. Uh, just point out that they did score the goal when my mic was working, so it's good of everyone to hang on. Uh, yeah, it has. The, for once, the uh, performances have been rewarded with the with the result they deserved. Went that vital five minutes after scoring without uh, conceding an equaliser, which is what we've been asking them to do. And they hung on, and they were deserved winners, really. You nip and tuck. Again, it's another team in the top five of the division that Yeovil have gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with, and this time they've come out on top. So, uh, hopefully, it's the start of a bit of a run. Now they've got the taste for it. And a deserved one as well? I think From so. that performance on the, over the 90 on Saturday? Yeah, both sides. There was one big chance for, for both teams. There was a one-on-one -on -one with uh, which Grant Smith dealt with in the first half. And then Yeovil had their opportunity in the 
in the second. So if you take your chance, you score your goal, you win the game. So yeah, definitely deserved. Well, Pete, we've seen a lot of the games so far this season, and um, yeah. yourself in particular have talked about how you know the, the games have been quite closely contested, particularly at home. And as Rick alluded to, they've taken points off of uh, Wrexham and Chesterfield to name two, but just couldn't quite uh, get the three points over the line, but managed to do it this weekend. Yeah, I mean, they, the, the position could be so much better in the league, um, you know, Bob by country mile, really. And it's so pleasing. I'm so pleased with the... I mean, it's, uh, you know, Chiori Johnson, I'm really pleased with him. He's, he's come from Torquay. It's... Uh, you know, with the potential, he's now got a winning goal. Hopefully, that'll give him the confidence. And, um, you know, by all, all word and uh, mouth, we could probably uh, tell us uh, a man of the match performance. Like, But uh, this is what we're looking for. We're looking for this team to develop. We're looking for it to move with confidence to, to, to build now. You know, and, and when you're sort of like um, doing against seasoned professionals at Sully Hole, uh, a proven strong side, then I think this should give them huge confidence that they can play the football that can actually win them points to get them further up the league. AD, I just want to bring you in a minute because obviously you've been doing the press conferences for, for Three Valleys Radio. I just wanted to kind of find out how you felt um, Chris has been sort of on the whole because there just has been a little bit of pressure creaking in, for want of a better word, from fans um, who are just sort of looking at the table and, and thinking that, you know, we possibly could be only heading one way here, which is out of the division. How do you think he has found sort of um, the situation over the last couple of weeks? Still in good spirits? Well, yeah. I mean, look, first of all, he is a bloody nice bloke, Chris Hargreaves. And, you know, he's had to come up against a lot of pressure and to go, was it six games we drew? I think it's six or it might even be seven. Um, you know, it's inevitable that the pressure is going to build on him from a point of view of, of, of manager. You know, it's, 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 just, it's just the way of the world, isn't it, really? That they, and, and people seem to love to jump onto adversity and start moaning and groaning. Whereas in actual fact, he's been, you know, you can tell he's trying his heart out to get things to work. Um, you know, they've been hit with a couple of injuries here and there, which hasn't helped. I mean, Lawson Diaz sort of, you know, is, is a quality player, but he's he's had problems with injuries and he's been in and out. Um, but I, I think that now I I really feel, I mean, he's felt total totally frustrated over the period. But I think now that, you know, I hope, you know, we've got a game against Taunton. I'm not going to take it for granted. Of course, it's the FA Cup and you never know what can happen. But surely that gives us an opportunity now to start a run. And if we can beat Taunton on Saturday, then, you know, you've got to think that, that you know, things will start to get better, I think, and the confidence in the team will grow. And hopefully we can start moving up the table rapidly. Um, I'm just going to bring bring you in, Will. I'm not quite sure what your allegiances are, if any, toward, towards the Oval Town, whether you've watched them closely or particularly from afar. But obviously from the Championship um, back in 2013, I don't want to keep on banging that drum but obviously it's been a downward curve since then um how closely have you have you watched or, or followed Yeovil at all particularly recently not not so much recently I, I was a season ticket holder um back 10 15 years ago when I first oh the good 90s. years <laughs> the good years um so, but the last few years, I've sort of, I won't say I've lost interest, you know, I've, I've understood who's been the manager, Dale Sahl and all that sort of thing. 
Um, and I did actually go to Wembley in the play that playoff, which was a few years ago as well, wasn't it? Um, I, I like to get back into it. I, all I can see, I'm you know, I'm sort of an outsider. All I can see is that a lot of new players came in, and that's always difficult. Um, the results were sort of, as, as we've alluded to, we were going one up, and then it was a draw. You know, so I think there's been a building thing and Chris Hargreaves as Adrian's saying he seems to be a decent guy and the right guy in the right place and I think they're only going to go up now I've just got this feeling it's they're coming to get this as I say from an outsider I haven't been over there but from an outsider's point of view they seem to be coming together you know they've played some decent teams teams that were high up in the league and had good results and we've had good results against those teams so we can't be a bad side. You know, it's just that little bit of luck, a little bit of movement upwards that gets us the results. And that's a massive result the other day, wasn't it, for us to win after, against the team. You know, you'd have felt really, really vulnerable then. You know, and um, you know, it's, it's, it says a banana skin. There's only one league below, and they're they're really um, uh, a club moving forward. Uh, I've played for both sides, um, and uh, we weren't allowed to get promotion when I was I was down at Swansea Town. You know, and we had sort of like three championships down there. So it's uh, to see the club where it is now is is absolutely fantastic. They'll probably say um, it had a good, good following with them as well. One would imagine. Yeah, very good. They're, yeah, they'll bring up. They'll definitely bring a few up. They're, they're, this is a massive, massive game for for Taunton Town, and um, you know, look, it, is, it definitely is one of those ones you look at and think, well, hang on a minute, this could be um, a banana skin. It's going to be a hard fought game, and we've never had an easy game down there. I know it's pre season, but we ne you never, never want to lose a game. You want to always keep keep going, and. Um, you know, it's going to be an interesting one. But going in there with a win behind your back against a fantastic, strong side like Sullyhull will give that side a huge, huge um, boost. But as we all know, the FA Cup is a phenomenal tournament. And, um, you know, and it, it's, it can always bring, uh, you know, sort of some un unruly um, results. So um, we've got to be on our metal. We've got to be really, really, like, focusing, pressing hard. Um, but I've been sort of like really pleased with the, with some of the performances, even though they haven't got the results they wanted. I've been encouraged because we've all talked about and know how difficult it is to to mould these sides together. Even when Darren Sull had them after you know two three years, it's still difficult bringing in new players. And you know Chris Hargreaves, you got to remember, has got a very low budget. He's not getting a lot for 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 his you know for for himself either. You know, and he's got to try and all of a sudden do it from scratch. So um, I do take my hat off to him, to be honest with you. Thorpe, bearing in mind that uh, you said you thought they'd bring a lot up, can you fathom out why some of, one of the stands is going to be closed on Saturday? No. Wait, weird. Mm. I, don't, I don't understand the, the, the thinking behind that. I mean, I would have thought, you know, they're going to bring up a 1,000 or so, aren't they? I would have thought. I would have thought so. I would have thought so. I do not understand. Is the is way stand closed, is it? Well, is the, I can't it's remember. It's the screw fix sand, isn't it? The sand that we'll commentate from. Yeah. Well, I or mean, have I got that wrong? 
Well, no, I think well, you're that's right. Well, that's got to be down. That's got that can only be down to financial. Um, you know, making it as as least expensive to run this game, uh, to try and maximise the profits if we get through. I can only think that's a financial decision, and not certainly anything else, because then you'll have more people in the um, uh, home stand. All the fans, away fans, will be down the far end, and then you'll have the main stand. So that can only be. Um, a financial decision on, on as regards to policing as well as as stewarding. It is an odd one, though. You've got to admit. Mm. Yeah, it is it's an odd it, one. It is an interesting point because I, I don't want to come come away from the the subject too much. But you just saying about um, looking out of you know being cost effective essentially has just reminded me that I did see this week that with the cost of living crisis we're having at the moment, there is the potential that some teams are looking at moving the kickoff times as we get into the winter months so they don't have to spend um, electricity on yep. using their floodlights. I mean, yep. do we think we might be getting into sort of uncharted territory with this? And understandably, clubs worried about um, all these rises in, you know, in energy costs. Well, it's not just energy costs, isn't it? Foot, running a football club is, is 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 very expensive anyway, you know. And uh, you know, I, I don't know any other business. I mean, again, we've talked about this before, but I don't know any other business that allows, you know, you to actually overpay on your your wages more than what the club is actually bringing in. There's no other business that would be allowed in. But in football, it seems to be um, allowed. It seems to be a crazy decision financially, and. Um, but it is, it, is, it is one of the few businesses that is actually allowed because of the potential, um, you know, what the potential earnings or what the, the actual players are worth and also what the grounds are worth for their land. But, um, you know, uh, I think it's crazy. Uh, I've always said it's crazy. Um, but, it is, you know, it's absolutely a crazy business, isn't it? Have you heard any rumblings towards that at Wade or...? No, I haven't. To you, particularly from a Yeovil perspective. No, and as you know, I, I, I spoke to Stuart Robbins a couple of weeks ago, and no, there was been no mention of any uh, financial uh, extra pressure, shall we put it that way? Uh, no, I've not heard that at all. So you know, that's what made me kind of surprised when I saw that uh, that decision to be made. I mean, I think Thorpey's probably right that that's the reason for it, but it, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's going to make it a bit tight in the other areas, I suppose, but. And I wouldn't have thought it's going to help an awful lot in terms of the atmosphere. And you want to get a bit of a atmosphere going for an FA Cup tie, don't you? For sure, especially against the, your local neighbours. And, and, you know, this is a proper local derby, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, huge game. Huge game. We're only just down the road from them. We're only half an hour away. You know, and um, I don't know if Will's seen uh, anything of Taunton or Bean uh, or, or Rick, but um, they're, they're, they're an exciting side. Um, they really have got some uh, good players and they'll be a real tough tough thing. They do press high, they keep the width and they do whipping the crosses. Uh, they've got a really good test at the start of the season, Yeovil Town down there. And, um, you know, that, it's going to be a hard game. You know, the FA Cup is, is a, uh, is, oh, it's, what are we, it's a what fantastic are we dress, What are we dressing this up as? Are we saying the A303 derby? The A358? Yeah, it's definitely... Definitely a three hundred three derby for sure, like you know. They don't have got a far to come. Well, Thorpe derby, isn't it? It's got to be. It's got to be the Thorpe Thorp derby. Yes, this the, is very yeah, true. The Thorpe, the Thorpe derby. Yeah, Thorpe I'm happy with that. I'm, but I mean, I, I, I enjoyed my time. You know, everybody knows I'm so passionate about Yeovil Town. But you know, uh, the fans down at Taunton were, you know, uh, took took to me 
And um, I had a fantastic um, three years down there, really, three, four gonna, years down gonna, there. Are you going to let the listeners know where you're going to be during the Paul Thorpe derby? I am in Spain. <laughs> I am in Spain. Absolutely is, gutted. Is this, is wanted, it, really wanted to be uh, be, be broadcasting on, on this one. Uh, but unfortunately, I'm, I'm away. So it's. Uh, I heard a yeah. rumour going around that you'd hired a private jet to fly you back specially to see the game. Is this correct? <laughs> well, I have my my uh, Three Valleys uh, expenses account, like you know. So, uh... <laughs> in your dreams, sunshine. <laughs> in your dreams. I, I, I think I think there's a problem with my Three Valleys expenses account. Doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can fly me back for sure. If I can get back and get back again for the evening meal at the Irish bar, then I should be. Uh, uh, you know, only duly do it. But um, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not around. But I should be definitely. Uh, uh, looking for the result, and um, you know, listen, we all know I'm the Oval Town man first, and um, you know, I do hope and and, and pray that uh, they get through because they they uh, we need that we need the cash um, to put into the football club and get us back to where we should be. Well, with you not being there, Thorpe, all the Rick Hyatt fans will be in yes. luck this weekend. Well, they're getting they're getting some good value for money, aren't they? And, uh, they've only uh, got fifty percent on Saturday, so. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, then let's let's move on to the um, one of the bigger Premier League games of the weekend, I suppose. Um, Arsenal beating Liverpool by three goals to two. I guess we have to look at the positive spin before Thorpe and I possibly look at it from a negative perspective. Um, Rick, are Arsenal in the title, hun? No. Next. <laughs> <laughs> this, this season's a procession, isn't it? That's all it's going to be. City are going to have it wrapped up by February, probably. But the, it's interesting that the, the battle, say battle, the competition for the uh, European place. This is actually looking looking tighter because we did talk about Liverpool before the season that it might be a transitional one, and it, it's turning out to be that. Chelsea are up and down like a bride's nightly, and uh, the rest of them, you know, put a decent run together, and and you're, and you're in with a in with a shout. I think the mere fact that teams like Brighton, Brighton are up there is a, an indication of that, Rick. Anyway, absolutely. It, I think it's. They say like uh, the division's never been this open. Well, bar the top one, it probably hasn't. You know that that top six, if you if you count the the sports washing of Newcastle in there as well. You know there's a there's a lot of teams that are in competition for those European places this year. What about West Ham? Are they in it? Oh, go on, go on. Well, West Ham in it? Um, they're in the division. West West Ham will be there, I think. You know, they, you know, they're not going to be a top six, but they'll get probably they'll probably get Europe. It may be the conference. I'm just hoping that they win the conference and then they automatically go into Europa League. Um, but yeah, it's very open this year. You say about Brighton, you kind of sort of saying that the the upper teams, should we say the top six, they've gone down a bit in in their abilities, and that's allowed the other teams to come up. I think a team like Brighton, although they lost, I think they've just improved. I think more teams are better than they were a few years ago. And so, are therefore, giving more oh, trouble to the top six, should we say. Yeah, I hate using that term. but So, I think it's it's not... Other teams are getting better. 
Yeah. Whether Brighton will finish in the top six at the end, um, it's a difficult one. But I think all the teams seem to have got, you know, when, when the teams came up like Bournemouth and things like that, teams like that, they were straight going, going straight down for me. But now they've changed and they've, they're starting to get points. And, you know, Fulham and although they lost um, to West Ham, um, <laughs> they're still a good team, you know. So the teams are better than they were. You, you could always tell, even in the last three or four years, you could always kind of tell the team that was going to go down, it was always going to be Norwich, right? You know? But now teams are just better. They've got better coaching, they're all fitter, and there's a lot more money, so these other teams can get some really good players in because the pot's full, isn't it? Full of gold. Thorpe, um, you're absolutely right. Thorpe, I see you've got your hand in the air. Um, but I just want to kind of link it back to, to the game it to the game itself what did you think um in terms of the outcome did did you think that arsenal were deserving of the three points how did you see the um the game as a whole 90 minutes and how it played out i think they were definitely deserving of three points i think they out they outmarshaled our midfield and they kept tacking us the down um arnold's side because they know that he's vulnerable at the moment and it is definitely vulnerable um he needs some help there you know, I think that um, they, their overall work rate, I think, uh, with the pressing game that they did, um, they were obviously at home. They wanted to show their fans what they were about. Um, and I think they did a magnificent job against us. You know, was, I'd like to put a little spin on it, actually, because I, something was mentioned by... by uh, something was mentioned about the average age of the sides, like, and, and where you understand. The actual, actual, the youngest team with average age of 23.7... Is actually Arsenal Football Club. Yeah. Right? Um, Liverpool are fourth from bottom of the average league table with an average age of 27. You know, and you take that average age of 27, that is a key factor because, you know, to get an average age of 27, you've got quite a few 30-year-olds in there. And we know the, the two main ones, you know, but... Um, you know, you've got there, Man City have got an average age of 20, 26.3. But, you know, like, so it's, it's, not all, it's not all just about the age, because obviously you've got Southampton in there. They're only second in the table with 20, 24.1. Leeds United, 25.1. So that's quite a considerable thing Bobby, about I Arsenal just want to throw about. something in to add to your statistics as well. I don't know if you saw, but four years ago... Yeah. Liverpool had the youngest average age. Absolutely. Now they've got, now they've got the oldest, and it just well, goes to show how much they've relied the, the, on the same players in that duration. Exactly. It, that's that's the whole thing. It, you, uh, Arsenal have gone for that youth policy of getting that age down. I remember the manager saying about that a couple of seasons ago. You know, and they they're going through that transition. Liverpool have not done that. They've not spent uh, wisely enough. I don't think in the transfer market. We haven't spent big in the transfer market either, you know, and uh, this is the result of it. And um, that's why one of the reasons why I said I thought it was going to be a really tough season for Liverpool this year. And unfortunately for, for me and you, it, it's proven that fact, you know. Um, you know, Manchester United have got average age of 26.6. So. Rick, Rick is doing a little jig for the, yeah, just to well, uh, let the listener in. <laughs> what, 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 what's really interesting as well, and, um, you know, Ten Hag has, has really... I found I, I thought when, when Ronaldo's name was mentioned in the... He almost, like, did a shudder, like, you think, oh, shit, I've now got a, 
I've now got to like answer questions on Ronaldo because I've not been playing him, and he's coming there, and he, you know, he 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 showed his class. He not only showed his class about when he scored the goal, but he was showed his class about the relationship between him and the players. I thought he's, I think his mentality, you know, yeah, of course he's probably his toys out there, Pam, and he should be disappointed why he's he's on the bench not getting on with Martial coming in front of him. And I, I, I think that shows a real good hunger for the game still. And that's the type of reaction I want to see from my players if I was a manager. You know, and um, he shows he's still got that hunger. And, you know, and, and literally I thought he was a class act on, on Saturday, you know, for Man United. But, yeah, I thought that Arsenal were well well and true deserved winners. And I think that they, yeah, are heading the teams of um, chasing pack because I do believe that, Rick's dead right that Man City will be champions well early this season. Well, before I move well, on to the to the other games, Rick, I'll come I'll, I'll come to you. Um, did um, did you see any? Oh, I don't know why I'm coming to you for this. I should have stayed with Thorpey, really. Um, from a Liverpool perspective, was there anything from that game that's they could my, have taken from favorite, a positive, or, or that not? is my favorite my favorite perspective <laughs> is the Liverpool perspective. Uh, I think the best thing that um, Liverpool can take from that game is possibly the fact that Jordan Henderson might be slightly harder than Granit Xhaka. Those two squaring up was the highlight of my weekend because if ever there were two blokes, two blokes that couldn't punch their way out of a wet paper bag, it's those two. So I'd like just like that to have carried on. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was funny when. You realised it was them two involved, and then they went to yeah. a replay, and then nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. But we were we were talking before before the pod about about Trent, and the thing is, there's been a, quite a bit of talk about um, Liverpool going to a four-two-four. It looks in practice because Trent plays so so high up. It almost looks like it's a three-three-four because he's virtually playing tucked in on the inside of the right hand side of yeah. the field. So you've got the other two elderly fellows in there as well, and then you've got your front line. And what's the point in having Mo Salah playing on the right wing? What is, from an outsider's point of view, I think it's fantastic, but he's he's the best finisher in at that club. So what? Why? Believe me, Rick, I was asking the same questions to the yeah. Kelly, possibly in a different tone of voice and manner. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what you mean? You're not as not as polite and restrained. As <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Will, did you did you watch this game? Um, I probably no. I don't think I did. Okay, um, moving on. Uh, no, no, I'm kidding. I, I, tend, <laughs> I tend to start watching games and then turn them off, apart from West Ham. Fair enough. We'll come on so to that. Going back to the age thing, um, it, it's it's a to me, as an outside again, looking at Liverpool, they they haven't re- apart from Sadio Mane going, they haven't really changed, have they? Their, their personnel. I know the left back's not playing. I don't know. I assume he's injured, but they're basically the same team as yes, as last year, yeah. and they were doing very well. I, I don't quite understand. You know, I don't quite as an outsider looking at them. But what I don't really understand what's changed. In, in the well, setup, well, Van Dyke may be playing a lot worse than the defence, but they all set, they're all the same guys, you know. It's well, 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 don't try and work it out. Just enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's been a combination, to be honest with you, Will and Rick, is is the fact that there's, they've not had um, a stable lineup. You know that when when any team has got the uh, you know doing really really well, 
you'll notice one thing. They, they're not changing too many. I know there's a rotation, you know, but their squad of players, and certainly in certain positions like their back three or back four, the midfield, your spine of your team is not really changing much. Starting every you game 1-0 down doesn't help either, does it? No, it every, doesn't. every first shot seems to be going in at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, the spine of the team and, and your certain players don't just don't change. You know, now Liverpool, if you ever look through their um, teams, team sheets since the start of the season, you know, and there was a, it was definitely mentioned as well in the pre-season, they were struggling with injuries. You know, and that's not just an excuse, but like lots of teams um, struggle with injuries and they don't get to, you know, they try in different people in different positions and it doesn't quite work out. And then all of a sudden you find yourself three or four games down the line with no wins and, and all of a sudden your confidence is lacking and, and I think that that's that's been one part of uh, that I've noticed watching Liverpool, um, you know, and, and and I know Man United suffered from from it a while ago. Tottenham was suffering from it as well two seasons ago, um, you know, and and it's it really is sometimes when you get into that rut, it's hard to get out of that rut. And um, um, it's, it's so a maybe, very it's a very fine line. Then it's it's the confidence to say, yeah. You think these professional footballers, I do, they, they they earn an awful lot of money. There's no pressure on them from outside of football. But this confidence thing is black, a bit black and white, isn't it? You either got it or you haven't got it. And if you haven't got it, your results go against you and it just gets worse. It's, you know, these guys, you know, Van Dyke and people like him, I can't believe they're not super confident all the time. But it's like Fabinho, Fabinho, you know, is, is he playing? Why isn't he playing? Has he gone off yeah, the boil? Yeah, when you say about confidence, he's looked really off the, the boil recently. And I think that's partly why Klopp now feels he's needed to change the formation. And I'm not quite convinced that really works for for what Liverpool have got. AD, you're waving at me. I was about to say... Um, maybe Liverpool put too much faith in Darwin Nunes, if that's his name. I think it's right. Um, because, you know, they paid a lot of money. He came in, oh, he was going to challenge Haaland for, for the, you know, the goal-scoring exploits. But he hasn't done much so far. I know he scored Saturday, but uh, Sunday... He hasn't played many games. I, I, actually, I actually thought he was our best player on um, yesterday. I don't know what you thought, Thorpey. Yeah, he did well. did well. Yeah, I just don't think we need, need, we need more out of him. But uh, I think we need... We need more out, out of uh, all I don't of think you can compare anyone to Haaland, though, and we'll no, come on to that. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, not even go, let's not even go there. He's an extraordinary footballer, and I think that he's probably taking, going to take over the realms of um, Ronaldo and Messi. Hey, know, Dolby, it, it, it's, it's fine, because Liverpool play Manchester City next, so what could possibly yeah. go wrong? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, well, I was just talking to my wife, actually. I said, like, let's just see how many they, we can stop them scoring, because uh, I think that they're in... When you've got a team in form... Um, with the confidence, you know, is great anyway. When, you, when you've got a Manchester City team in form and playing with a lot of confidence, you've just, you know, it's just unbelievable that what they are setting. So let's, let's come in on that then, Thorpey, because mm. Man City won 4 0 at the weekend. Um, AD, I'll come to you. I'll come, I'll come to you quickly. <laughs> um, Harlan didn't get a hat trick. Is it worth him being dropped? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, but I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. You know, you, you, City are a good side. Haaland's a bloody good player. Put the two together and you've got an unstoppable mix at the moment. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see, to get everything into perspective, 
if if one classes Liverpool as one of the top six, which I know they're not at the moment, but in, in theory they are, um, we'll see what the result is against City. And if they get stuffed as well, maybe that'll put the game against Man United into a little bit more perspective. Mm, yeah. Do you not think it's got one of those like 6-4 games about it? Because as we were talking about Rick a few weeks ago, Man City are leaking goals this season, but they're just outscoring yeah. everybody else. Then I could see Liverpool, Manchester City... Finishing at about six four or something stupid like that, quite quite Wish, easily. Wishful thinking, mate. Yeah, I know. Let's, let, well, let's, I, let's I, see. We'd be on the wrong end. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> let's see. Let, let's see how it goes. <laughs> you know, um, I had I had uh, my my son-in-law uh, was giving me the theory of how they were going to stop Harlan from scoring, and uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen. But. You know, I, I just think that they're, they're listen. They're they're absolutely flying, Man City at the moment, and unfortunately, I can only see one result. But there is one team that can change that around, and and uh, if if we can find a phenomenal performance, then uh, it is that Liverpool side because we've done it before against uh, Man. Uh, the English Football Association is investigating an incident involving Jordan Henderson and Gabriel Magalhaes. Magalhaes during Arsenal Sunday's win over Liverpool. Thorpe, you were talking. You were talking about Manchester City's form and about how it doesn't really look like anybody's going to stop them at the moment. No, I just think that they're they're just an incredible outfit at the moment, and um, you know they, they they've got such an array of players. You know, again, I was uh, chatting to my wife about that, and. Um, you know, and saying, look at look at the strength in depth of, of who they can actually bring on as substitutes, and um, they just seem to like uh, have an abundance of talent. And they've, although they've spent a lot of money bringing in some amazing players, they, you know, with the with, with the best coach in the world, um, he's certainly getting the best out of those players. And um, you know, and it, it's um, it, it, it is a just a general football fan. I think it's phenomenal to watch the way they knock the ball around. Um, but obviously, as a Liverpool fan, you obviously want them to uh, suffer a little bit. But, you know, the buy-in of Haaland has just been an astronaut, astronomical signing for the club. And, you know, I actually hope this year that they, they do actually do the double because we think, you know, they, we know they're going to win the league. Um, but they, I do would love to see them actually do the double and, and get the Champions League as well. Well, let's talk about the other side of Manchester then because... They did play at the random time of a Sunday evening, but I believe it was because it was supposed to be the 12.30 BT game, but then Manchester United played on Thursday, so they had this random 7 o'clock Sunday evening. Um, mm -hmm. Rick, was it a uh, pre-Monday morning treat for you? Uh, it, was, it was competent. It was job done. It wasn't anything exciting. Just go back to the Europa League game. Uh, started a trip. I... Man United were copying, were copying me. How can they copy me? Because it happened before. But they only turned up for one half as well. That's, um, as far as the the game against Everton goes, as soon as Iwobi hit the back of the net, I thought, here we go again. Every time at Goodison. But I was there, actually. A great um, finish as well. It was a superb finish. It's like, who are you? And you, What have you done with Iwobi? Because he's never done that before. But I, uh, the atmosphere... His form has been good for them, though, Rick. His but form has been really. He's been good this his season. Form for, for, he's been very, very good for them. Moving One of their best players. 
Moving him more yeah. centrally seems to have yeah, seems been to a great place. move. Am yeah, I right yeah, in great. thinking his uncle is JJ Okocha? Yeah, it is. I think yeah, so, yeah, yeah, he was in the yeah. car. Yeah. But there was definitely a little bit of JJ about that finish. Just <laughs> a special finish, but fortunately, there was only one of them, and there were two of goals in the correct. Football rejoices, United get another three points and squeeze the gap down to those uh, Champions League places. But it's, it's a work in progress, you know. Rick, what the did you think? Thing... What, Rick, what did you think of um, uh, Ronaldo's performance? Professional, consummate professional, as ever. Mm. You know, whatever people say about his is ego and what have you. The thing that's been missing with United has been a desire to put a shift in and have high standards. And those are two things that he can never be accused of, of not doing. Mm. You know, he's, he is the consummate... consummate I want to just quickly bring Aidy in, because Aid, you were waxing lyrical about Anthony and you were really hopeful, probably more than expectation, that, that this signing was going to pay off for you. Well, three Premier League games, three Premier League goals, you've got to be happy with that. Yeah, I am. I'm quite impressed with him, actually. But uh, going back to Ronaldo a second, I mean, what a record, though. 700 goals in league football. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's just... Who's going to get anywhere near him apart from Messi? And he's, he's got a way to go, yeah. It's just... Or Haaland. Haaland? Well, yeah, Haaland, Haaland possibly, but he's got a hell of a long way to go, hasn't he? You know, to get the... Well, set. Yeah, but you've got, to, you've got to remember, Ronaldo is 48, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah but they, they were saying if he if he, he has to play has to score forty five goals if his career lasts another sixteen mm. seasons or something has to score at least forty five goals a season over that period of time. Yeah, I to read. Get near yeah, Ronaldo's. I read a stat in the paper today. It said that uh, his stats equal uh, thirty. Was it thirty? Yeah, thirty five goals a season for the last twenty years. Which yeah. is which is yeah. just, just quite phenomenal, isn't it? Really, I mean, because if you actually break it down to that, you look at seven hundred, and it's like just like a random big number. But if you actually break it down to the nuts and bolts of what he's done, yeah. season in, season out, over that period of time, not everybody my... gets seven hundred appearances. I mean, players I will, will be happy with three hundred and fifty, say. That's uh, that is career, outrageous. Yeah. yeah. When you when you weigh it up to actual. Um, appearances that the players sort of average out over their entire careers that is just mind-blowing figures isn't it it's astronomical yeah. i was actually i was actually quite shocked at the man of the match performance because they so gave it to casemiro and casemiro actually gave away the ball for the first for the everton goal um he had a solid game i thought but i thought the the man of the match by a country mile was christian Eriksen. yeah i thought yeah. he was absolutely he was he was available all the time, and his work rate. I said, look, look at him. He's down there tussling in in the right hand corner defensively. And the next thing I know, he was getting the ball in midfield, and, and, and next thing you know, he was on the edge of their box. I was just thinking, this is the guy that was nearly dead, you know, eighteen months ago. And yeah, you know, thankfully, what he's not. And to give give a performance like he did, I could not believe they never gave him man of the match. And uh, you know, he deserved his um, his stand innovation when he got he came off the park. I think. Thorpe, just just on that, because you're touching there about Christian Eriksen, I wanted to to mention this story that broke um, earlier today. So at the time of recording, this is Monday, as, as we do this podcast. But I'm sure you've seen it, that um, Brighton midfielder Mwapu has um, had to retire yeah. at the age of 24 because they found an underlying heart condition and they wow. decided that his career cannot continue. 
for for what they found. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware of him at all. No. Um, Thorpe, he's um, Liverpool drew two two with Brighton last season, and he scored an absolute worldie at Anfield. He was one of those players that I think came in as sort of a Basuma replacement, and a lot of mm. um, sort of work had gone into sort of scouting him, getting a South African international, twenty four years old, and his career um, is done. Um, I've got two ways of looking at this, really, because obviously it's really sad for him, only at 24 years of age, losing yeah. his career. But on the flip side, is it actually really good news and positive, hear me out here, that we're able to recognise a defect so early and be able to say, look, for the, for the longevity of your life, we yeah. managed to pick it up early and ensure that he's able to sort of enjoy other things? Listen, first and foremost, uh, football is a sport. Sport is there to be enjoyed. It's, sport is not there to cost you your life. You know, and um, I think Steve Rutter would have been a fantastic person to answer that question. You know, we, we, we spoke about, talked to Steve about pre-season, about what the players have to do. You know, they get, they get such a, you know, when, 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 I, when I was playing, you know, we used to get maybe blood pressure, <laughs> you know, um, that is probably it. What's your weight? You know, not nothing. None of us ever got the the physical technology that they've got today, as regards to to looking at their physical health. They're getting blood checks. They're getting absolutely everything looked in their their, their air capacity, lung capacity. You know, how much yardage they're doing on, in these or your mileage they're doing in the games. The technology they got behind these players now is phenomenal. And I think that is it's absolute credit. I will give the FA this type of credit. It is absolute credit that we can now um, check on these players as such and see where... Because at the end of the day, the law of averages said that some of these players are going to have heart defects because they're only human beings, you know? I, I'm actually a, not a believer that, you know, it's controversial saying it, that the pandemic has not helped. The, the medication that we are now getting as jabs, it doesn't help. Um, I don't think it helps as regards to the, the heart. That is my own personal opinion, not opinion of other people. And I totally Valley accept Australia. that. <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely. It's just something that I've, I've uh, looked into and, um, and, and I personally think that there is definitely a link between uh, the stuff that we're getting, whether it's Angenica or anybody else. Um, to because there's been a lot more people collapsing in stands, collapsing on the pitches, and I, and I think that there, there 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 must be a link in some way. But again, that is my own personal opinion. If I can come and in here, me. Dave. Um, Sorry. I, I say if I yeah, can come course, in here a minute. Um, as a recipient of uh, the NHS's um, heart technology, shall we put it? Um, first of all, credit to the NHS because you know it, what they can do now is is absolutely amazing and you know having having yeah. having been there and lied there while this guy was putting a stent in my heart i'll tell you what i mean it, it's just quite phenomenal when you stop and think about it and all i'm doing yeah. is i'm lying there and he goes into my arm and the next thing i know he's in my heart it is absolutely phenomenal the technology the expertise that they've yeah. got and you know credit to well i was at taunton hospital where, where i had mine done absolutely brilliant so Whilst I take on on um, Thorpey's point about there seems to be a few more people 
collapsing and having problems and and you know who's to know what the long-term uh, prognosis is of these these covid jabs because we you know until time goes on we're not going to know if there's going to be any long-term um problems caused by it but but uh, you know just give the the nhs a bit of credit because they do a fantastic 100%. job here here yeah. Um, just one more question on on this then. Um, Will, I'll, I'll bring you in. Um, it's, it's a difficult one to answer, I appreciate. But when somebody's been forced into retire at the age of um, 24, I mean, this guy would have had huge potential. Like I say, he came in as a Basuma replacement. Um, th there's a lot of uh, financial implications as well, because, you know, in a couple of years' time, we could have been looking at a... 60 70 million pound player potentially if you look at how the prices in football are inflating ever so quickly and just wonder how that might work in terms of the financial implication or whether it's just a case of you have to retire that's that you're off the books well i'm sure um insurance comes into it yeah um there's been, there's been players who had to retire uh, at 30, should we say, and things like that, we could have gone longer. But I'm sure there's insurance. I'm sure this guy, Morepo, there's no replacement for not playing, but I'm sure financially he'll be fine. Um, you know, talking about the, the medical, how it's improved and how these players are tested for everything, does, does it go beyond the Premier League? Does it go further and further down the leagues? Are all players going through a certain regime of medical check? Or is it just the fortunate ones who are in the Premier League. Because I like the thing it goes right down through the leagues. Otherwise, it's somewhat unfair, isn't it? It, it, it certainly goes down to um, conference level. Uh, I, I don't know below conference level. You know, I, I know that um, when I was manager at Froome in the Southern League, that, um, you know, we, we had... We had a club doctor. We didn't see him too often, but we had a club doctor. But we certainly didn't go through the regime that uh, these um, from for the conference that they do upwards, um, because financially, you know, we, we we couldn't afford we couldn't afford to, you know, and that's one of the big thing. I mean, just going back to Mwapu, it's like you know, one one thing you know, Will's bang on. They'll have insurances to cover um, every single player, so financially, the club won't won't miss out on that. Um, Mwapu's obviously 1.6 million um, a year uh, fit, you know, money coming in is, is certainly if he's sensible he shouldn't need to work you know, anymore so that financially if he's, if he's um, um, fairly sensible he should be able to uh, enjoy his life be it being a millionaire or a multi-millionaire you know and um, but more importantly let's just hope that he can um, enjoy um, a long life with his family and his children, and uh, and, and and enjoy the luxuries of life that hopefully he's financially been able to do so. You know, and um, here, here. I did read that it was a an hereditary heart problem. Right. Uh, why it wasn't picked up earlier? You know, say he's Bad comment. You know, you would have thought a couple of years ago it would have been picked up. If it was hereditary, you know. Thorpe, you, you, you mentioned about conference teams having it, but I'm not so sure you're right there. I mean, obviously, Yeovil Town have got insurances for their players, etc., and obviously they've got medical um, experts helping them. But do they do yeah. they actually get that many tests? You know, when we're talking about heart problems with that, I mean, you can't just sort of, 
you know, it, it takes time to assess whether a bloke's got a heart problem or not, and that costs money. Yeah, yeah but yeah, Yeovil Town love, uh, you know, their their bloods taken, you know, and uh, that those will be, and uh, that that should be checked. You know, that should be checked. Now, whether they go to the the rigors of what the Premiership do, I would very much doubt it. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. You know, but they'll be checked more, far, far more than what Southern League players will. You know, and as you go up higher through the leagues, you know, then 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 the players will be probably checked a little bit more as they go up through. But um, cer- certainly, when you get to the realms of um, uh, the Championship, they'll be uh, they're all because there's there's a lot lot of money in in the Championship as well. Um, but again, it is all down to what your financial situation is with every single club. You know. Well, um, well, just taking it um, forward, as we haven't got a lot of time left, so obviously it wasn't um, a very uh, happy story, that one. And, Rick, I've got another one that's probably not too great a happy story because uh, you probably would have seen this weekend that Newcastle have celebrated one year of Saudi ownership. What do you think about that? <laughs> uh, I would imagine there's a few uh, ladies or homosexuals in... Uh... Saudi Arabia, we're very pleased to hear that. It's, it's a disgrace. <laughs> that situation is absolutely appalling. There's not, not, not an awful lot you can say. My opinion on it's not going to change. It's a horrible, tatty, nasty situation, and they shouldn't be allowed to do it. What, why, Rick, do you feel they've been allowed to do it, then? Why, I thought there were things in place where this... No, that's a very good question. Well, there were, weren't there? there was, but they, because this... Although... The Saudi government finance the people that have bought the club. There's that distance between... They managed to convince the FA that there's that distance between... It's, it's not directly being owned by the Saudi government. It's being owned by somebody who happens to work for the Saudi government and therefore has unlimited funds. So, in effect, it is. It's just... It's the same thing as Manchester City's sponsorship deals with Abu Dhabi. It's that there'll, sort there'll of be, thing. Yeah, but there'll be... There'll be... There'll be... They'll put some money into a consortium, yeah. into a different and then business. The consortium, buys it. the consortium will always be a very, very well-funded. Yeah. Um, exactly the same as Amer- American football. These players will be owned by by a, a business, a consortium, and uh, they will then then be paid through that consortium, and that's how they they they, they get. Um, their, We're used their to having consortiums with no money around here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, too soon, AD, too soon. Are you waving, dear? Yes, I am. I was just about to say, did you see the story that broke, I think it's today, that Spurs are in uh, talks with Google for the naming of the stadium, the new Tottenham Stadium? Oh, wow. And they're talk, yeah. talking about £1 billion. I mean, £1 billion, yeah. Mm. I mean, well, that, that is just... everything Spurs, doesn't it? Have you heard the, there was an interview The Athletic did last week with Eric Cantona? And I think he spoke for everybody who really loves football and he said, you know, if Old Trafford, if the Glazers sell the naming rights to Old Trafford, he walks away from football. He walks away from the club. Spurs cut from a different cloth. Hmm. They just take the money. Well, they will, aren't they? Billion pound, that's phenomenal, isn't it? Do you not, Rick? Do you not think football's gone too far to be too proud about that kind of stuff now? Like, I just think, I just anything, think you, you can't make a stand, a comment like that because football's yeah. too far gone. What, what are you going to make a stand that, on that? Yeah, but don't you think that? Um, I mean, it's easy for United to because obviously they generate funds from from other places as well. 
but it makes it even more important that something should remain unsullied by corporate advertising. Having said that, Google Stadium just sounds like an instruction rather than a name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the click here. Yeah. But, I mean, some things, some things are for sale, some things are not for sale. Well, the thing that always surprised me is that at an international level, football is the most commercialised sport, I mean, apart from the American ones, but they're a law unto themselves, but, which is like a sold its soul for a few quid. Yet football's national teams don't have sponsorship on their shirts. Whereas in rugby they do, in cricket they do, and in rugby league they do. And it's weird. I would have thought the football would have been the first one to sell and cash in on that. But they've sort of, at an international level, they've kept it away from it, which is quite surprising. Just very quickly then, guys, because, Eddie, you'll be able to tell me, but we haven't got a lot of time left. Um, you mentioned about um, the international scene. Um, did any of you see the... Euro qualifying campaign draw uh, this weekend for Euro 2024 because England are normally told <laughs> every year that, oh, well, they have a very easy qualifying group and qualifying is always, always straightforward. Well, this time certainly looks a little bit more difficult having been drawn in the same qualifying group as Italy, Ukraine, North Macedonia, uh, and Malta, I don't think I've missed really? one. Really? Rick, it looks like it's going to be a lot more trickier this time around, isn't it? Yeah, North Macedonia, good side. <laughs> North yeah. Macedonia, decent side. They were probably one of the better side. teams of that pot, from what I remember. Oh, good side, yeah. And, and uh, you, you, Ukraine Malta's is tricky as well. Malta, yeah. Yeah, that... Yeah, listen. Play in the park. Well, they needed a gimme in that group because of what else they... Um, they had, like you say, they're not. Then they're used to getting the likes of sort of a Belarus, an Albania, a, a Bulgaria, all in the same group. But England this time seemed to get probably one of the best sides from each pot. Thorpe. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Sorry, you you, you, said, you broke it, up. England have got pretty much one of the better teams from each pot yeah. that they could have possibly I, faced. Oh, absolutely. But listen, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to get into these championships, you've got to put, you've got to beat who's in front of you. You know, and um, whoever's going to be manager, you know, at that stage will we'll need to do the, their homework on these sides. You know, are Italy beatable? Yes. Are more Macedonia beatable? Yes. You know, the difficult ones are, are is making sure we don't get beat away. And thoughts, English teams, on, um... English teams in Europe are not particularly good away from home because they do this sitting. Why are they? Why they start sitting instead of pressing? I do not know. What's your thoughts on Republic of Ireland? Because unfortunately for them, they got Holland and France in the same group. Well, very much unlucky <laughs> on that one. But again, you know, listen. The one thing about the, the, the Irish is they don't stop working. They're 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 hardworking. Both their teams are hardworking teams. May not have the quality, but or from years past. But um, Ireland and France know. have got some history as well of the old Henri handball. Absolutely, you know uh, that that was an absolute disgrace, wasn't it? And um, uh, tarnished his book a little bit along the along the way. Um, but um, yeah, I like I like watching the Irish teams play. Um, and, and listen, if if anybody can get out of it, the Republican Ireland will always give it their their best shot. Maybe not got the quality uh, now, but um, listen, they'll give it a go for sure. Two uh, minutes. In the interest of balance, with the interest of balance, uh, Wells got, I believe it was Turkey and Croatia in their group. Um, Who's got the easy group? And Scotland had Spain and Norway. Wow. 
Turkey, going to Turkey, one of the hardest things in the world. They are so, you know, <laughs> I've been over to, to, uh, to, to uh, you know, Greece and watched uh, the, the mentality out there is exactly the same in Turkey. It's mental. It's proper mental. And I'll tell you now, you know, you talked to Graham Souness about going out to Turkey and... Um, Oh, he, didn't he, himself, he didn't help himself smashing no. up the women, massive <laughs> flag on the centre circle. But, but what a mental place to go and try and get a result from. And um, Yeah, absolutely. Good. It'll be a big game for them. And who, who yeah. knew that there was Wells in Turkey? So uh, <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> um, I'm being given the signal from, from AD, so I'll thank everybody for their uh, contributions Um this evening. Thorpey, thank you very much before you Pleasure. head off out to Spain. Thank you very much. Rick, thank you very much for your company before we hear your dulcet tones again on Saturday, hopefully for a 490. Well, you'll be sat next to me, won't you? That's the plan. Okay, yes. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Will, thank you very much, mate. Pleasure, mate. Great and to see AD, you. Aidy, thank you very much uh, for joining us on another episode of I'll Do It. Football! Bloody hell! Indeed it was. Thank you for listening, everybody. Goodbye for now.